Thank you. If you'll turn with your Bibles for the fourth, and I promise for the last time for a while, you'll turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is the fourth Sunday now we've read from and looked at some portion of this text. And we're going to read the entirety again, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. The subject before us again is the importance of trusting God. Let's give careful hearing to the reading of God's word. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this morning our focus is here on verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for another time together as your people around and in your word, and we know that this is not just any book, it's your book. That The words we read are the living words of the living God, and we pray this morning they would be alive in our hearts and in our lives, that they would speak to us through your spirit, that you would open our eyes to see it, our ears to hear it, our hearts to receive it, and we pray that you would use it to change us to transform us, to help us, to trust you more every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul had a very high view of Scripture. That is, he thought a lot of it. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul said, All Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that... The man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Paul says the word of God is inspired and the word of God is profitable. It is helpful. Now it's true that some parts of scripture appear at least on the surface to be more profitable or more helpful than others. If you are looking for a text to read to feed your soul immediately you'll turn to something like 1 Corinthians 13 before you go to the book of Leviticus. Or you go to Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm, before you go to one of the lists of the genealogies. 
the list of names that are given to us in the Word of God. We turn to them because we see them as more profitable, more helpful. And I think that is a legitimate distinction. Paul says all Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable. I think it's clear to us some passages are more helpful, more profitable than others. We all agree, I think, that the Sermon on the Mount, and especially these verses at the end of chapter 6, are some of the most helpful and the most profitable. One of the reasons is they deal with an issue that strikes the very heart of where we live. This is Jesus' teaching, again, on worry and anxiety. And we find here Jesus admonishing his people not to worry and not to be anxious. In fact, it becomes very clear, doesn't it? Jesus doesn't want his people to worry. Those of us who are in the kingdom, those of us who are kingdom people, are not to worry or be anxious, but rather we are to trust God. One of the distinctives of people who have been born again, brought to faith, who are in the kingdom, is that we trust God with every detail of our lives. Now, I know that is easier said than done. Jesus knew that was easier said than done. That's why he goes to such great lengths here in this passage to teach us what it means to trust God and why we should trust him so diligently. The key truths we have kind of grabbed hold of as we've gone through this text and talked about the importance of trusting God and not worrying is that God owns everything, God controls everything, and God provides everything. I said last week that the higher your view of God, the easier it will be for you to trust Him. Those who have a low view of God find it real difficult to give themselves to Him and to trust Him with every moment of every day, every situation that they face in life. But those of us who have embraced the Reformed faith, and maybe you're here at this church because you understand we embrace it. Those of you who have grasped the significance of the sovereignty of God, that God is really omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, who have grasped the understanding of what it means that God really is the one who is in control of life, you understand how much easier it is on a daily basis to say, you know, I can trust Him. I can trust God with, with my life. I can trust God with this. But it's not just His sovereignty. It's also the fact that He is our Heavenly Father. Did you notice again how many times Jesus refers to God as our Heavenly Father in these verses? And because God is your Heavenly Father, He loves you, He is concerned about you, He cares for you, He's taken it upon Himself, the responsibility to provide for you. That's why you don't have to worry about the daily necessities of life. Your Heavenly Father will see that you have them. He knows that you need them. You know, Jesus' point is that that God takes care of the birds of the air. He provides for the flowers of the field. You're worth a lot more to Him than them because 
He is your heavenly Father, and if he does that for them, don't you think he will do far more for you? Our responsibility, again, is to trust God. And we do that by having the proper focus in life, by living with the proper priorities. We're to focus our lives on God and to seek Him first. That's what Jesus said back in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You know, the more you dwell and focus on the things of this life, the more worried and the more anxious you'll be. The more you look at them, the bigger they get. The more you try to fix them, the more problematic they get. But the more you seek first the kingdom, the more you focus upon God, the better able you are to handle and deal with the situations and circumstances of life that you face. God is your heavenly Father, the sovereign God, and yet your heavenly Father. I decided this morning again to deal with this one verse by itself, verse 34. And I chose to do that because it is so relevant and so applicable to every one of our lives, isn't it? I said last week, kind of in jest, that I was tempted to give this sermon the title, Getting the Cart Before the Horse. I didn't do that. But it's true. That's what Jesus is saying here, isn't it? If you worry about tomorrow and what tomorrow might bring, instead of dealing with today and what today has brought, then you are getting the cart before the horse. So easy to do that. So hard not to do that. And our focus this morning is on verse 34, where Jesus admonishes us not to bring tomorrow's concerns ahead of or in the place of today's needs. Two things this morning. First, There's a very simple instruction. We find it in the first part of verse 34 where Jesus says, So do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why is it that the simplest instructions sometimes are the hardest, the absolute hardest to follow? But all of you can testify to how hard this is, can't you? How hard it is not to worry about tomorrow not to bring tomorrow's concerns in front of today's needs. But again, you get the idea that Jesus doesn't want us, he doesn't want his people to be worried and anxious about today or about tomorrow, about the now or about the future. You know, one of the greatest blessings that you have as a child of God is the peace that Jesus gives to his people. Remember Jesus promised, peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Not let, your, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace. I'm sure you all have had the experience of seeing a believer who's going through a very difficult, hard, grievous, painful, anxious time of life. And yet deal with it with grace. Two of them are sitting right over here. Aren't they? They don't do that on their own. It's a work of God in the hearts and the lives of his people where God gives us a peace. 
A peace that Jesus says the world can't give. And a peace that Paul says is quite often beyond comprehension. We can't understand it. Unbelievers look at people like Brian and Diane going through a difficult time with peace in their hearts and say, how do you do that? They don't comprehend. They don't understand because it's a spiritual work of God in the hearts and lives of his people. And Jesus says in this text that we are not to worry about tomorrow. You see, God gives us grace. And what he gives us is daily grace. God gives you the grace you need for today. Yeah, so often we start looking in the future, wanting the grace for what we think might happen tomorrow, and we do not appropriate the grace God has given to us to deal with whatever we face today. When tomorrow gets here, I realize tomorrow never gets here. But when the day you were worried about gets here, guess what? God will give you the grace to deal with that then. But it's fruitless. And it doesn't help at all to worry about what might happen tomorrow instead of dealing with what you should be dealing with today that God has brought into your life. But isn't that what we tend to do? Don't we worry about tomorrow? And we worry about it in lots of different ways. We worry about our children, don't we? Worry about them in the future. What about them? What will become of them? Will they be successful in life? Will they have friends? Will they come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Will they live godly lives? Will they be able to resist the temptations they will inevitably face in the world? Will they find a believing spouse? We worry about our children. We worry about our health. What will happen to me in the future? What will my health be like? Will I suffer a stroke? Will I have a heart attack? Will I develop cancer? Will I be able to retain my memory? Will I be able to think clearly? Who will take care of me when I can't take care of myself? Will I end up in a nursing home? We worry about our marriages. What will my marriage be like 10 years from now? 20 years from now? What will my spouse be like when they're not 25 but 65? How will we handle the empty nest? Will we be able to have children? Will we be able to have more children? What will happen if my parents or my in-laws need help? What if they need us to take care of them? We worry about our finances. Will I be able to retire? Will I have enough to live on then? Will there be anything close to Social Security or Medicare to help? Will the economy be stable? Will the stock market collapse? Will inflation eat away at what I've reserved and set aside for retirement? We worry about the church. Well, let me be more specific. I worry about the church. What will North Point be like five years from now? We'll be able to build a sanctuary. 
Will we see the lost come to faith? Will we still have a heart for the gospel? Will we still be ministering to children and young families? You know, I worry about every upcoming Sunday morning. Will there be anybody here? <laughs> well, God's answering that prayer. Will my sermon make any difference? Will it impact anyone's life? And what does Jesus say about all of that here? He says, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious over it. Because, you see, tomorrow is in his hands. It's, it's Jesus' way of saying, it's all going to work out. As we saw last week, like a father tells his troubled child, it's going to be what? It's going to be okay. It is going to be okay. As we tend to say now, you know, it's just, it's all good. And it's all good because it's in God's hands. It's in our Father's hands. Remember what Romans 8.28 says, God causes all things to work together for what? For good. For good to those who love Him. To those who are called according to His purpose. It's all good. It's all good because it's in our Father's hands. Now I want to make it clear that Jesus is not saying here you should not make any preparations for tomorrow or that you should not plan for tomorrow. There's a difference in planning for tomorrow and preparing for tomorrow and worrying about tomorrow. You know, most of the time when we worry about the future, we worry about things that will never happen. Isn't that right? Let me say that again. Most of the time when we worry about tomorrow, we worry about something that will never happen. We worry about what? What we imagine will happen. Or what we think will happen. Or what we're afraid will happen. The biblical, biggest biblical example I know of that is Jacob. Everybody remember the story of Jacob and his brother Esau. They had a big falling out, recall? Jacob swindled Esau, received his birthright, deceived their father, and received Esau's blessing. And the Bible says Esau held a grudge against his brother. So much so that Jacob, at the encouragement of his mother, fled, went up to his, her, her family's home around Haran, left Canaan, and there he lived with his uncle Laban, ended up marrying Rachel and Leah. After a number of years, he decided to come back to Canaan. Well, on his way back to Canaan, he heard that Esau was looking for him. And Jacob was worried. Jacob was anxious. In fact, it's more than that. The Bible says that he had great fear. Fear over what Esau would do to him when they met. And Jacob was so anxious, so worried about tomorrow, so worried about when he might see Esau, his brother, again, that he began to take these elaborate steps to try to protect himself. Remember, he divided his belongings, his families and his family and his possessions into two groups so that it, 
if Esau destroyed one group, then the other group would be spared. He, he sent gifts on ahead to Esau to try to appease his anger. He prayed earnestly that God would protect him. He sent his family ahead of him so that maybe Esau would have sympathy for him. But all of that was unwarranted. Jacob spent all that time worrying about tomorrow for nothing because none of that happened. When he saw Esau, the Bible says that Esau came up to him, he embraced him, he wept over him, and kissed him. But are we so often just like Jacob? We worry about things we think might happen. We get so troubled by the things that we imagine will happen. And all that does, it just saps away the energy you need to deal with what is real today. So Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. The instruction is clear. And then secondly and briefly, Jesus gives us the basis for it. The basis for this instruction, the practical reason for it, and it is, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, again, that God brings to you life one day at a time. Isn't God merciful to do that? Isn't God merciful to give us just one day at a time? Not one of us knows what tomorrow will bring. Well, we have some idea. Again, we make plans. We make preparations. Not one of us knows what another day will bring. Will had no idea a week ago today that he would be having a surgery. He didn't have to worry about it on Saturday because he didn't know that happened on Sunday or Monday. Isn't God merciful in giving us just one day at a time? And Jesus said, each day has enough trouble of its own. You've got enough to deal with today. You don't need to try to add tomorrow's concerns to it. When tomorrow gets here, then you can deal with it. But to bring tomorrow's concerns into today's needs confuses the issue terribly. And so Jesus says, tomorrow will care for itself. Literally, the Greek says, tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry for itself. You understand, life is in God's hands. Your life is in God's hands. And God is in control of what will happen to you in the future. You know, Psalm 139 talks about the fact that all of our days are ordained for us. Ordained for us, the Bible says, even when as yet there was not one of them. Before you were born, God laid out your life for you. God knows the future because he holds the future. Remember there's a song that says, I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future, something like that. We know the one who holds the future in his hand who will daily, day by day, unfold for you His eternal plan for you and for your life. It's clear in the Bible, God's not surprised by anything. We are. 
He's not surprised by anything because he daily unfolds for you step by step, bit by bit, his eternal plan for you and for your life one day at a time. There's an interesting story in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn there, we'll conclude with that. John chapter 11. It's the story of uh, Jesus when he was um, going to Bethany when Lazarus, his good friend, was sick. Remember, Lazarus got sick. His sisters Mary and Martha sent for Jesus. Jesus delayed. didn't get there right away. Then told his disciples that we can go to Bethany. His disciples were very concerned about that. Because Bethany was in Judea. It was down in the south part of Canaan, not far from Jerusalem. That's where the danger for Jesus was. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, the next time I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be in serious trouble. In fact, I'm going to be arrested, betrayed, crucified. And so when Jesus told his disciples, we're going to Bethany, they were very, very distraught. And you look with me in the text in John chapter 11, beginning with verse 7. Then after this, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you were going there again? You see, the disciples were worried what? They were worried about the future. They were worried about tomorrow. They were worried about what might happen. What might happen if they went to Bethany. And then Jesus says in verse 11, Excuse me, verse, uh, verse 9. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? Are there not twelve hours in the day? Jesus is saying to them, Look, what we have to worry about is today. He's living out exactly what, it teaches, what he teaches us in Matthew chapter 6. We have twelve hours. He's talking about twelve hours when we're awake. 12 hours to deal with. We can't be concerned about what might happen tomorrow or afraid might take place tomorrow. We have to deal with what God has given us now. And he's saying, look, Lazarus needs me. I'm going to minister to Lazarus. I'm going to trust God with the future. And so what we're called upon to do is really live like a Savior. To trust God every moment of every day. To live our lives step by step, trusting Him to provide the daily grace that we need with whatever He brings us on a daily basis. We're going to conclude our service in just a moment by singing one of the great hymns of the faith. It is the hymn, Be Still My Soul. In fact, it's the first time we've sung it since I've been here. But look with me, if you take your bulletin, Look at it with me. This is what it says. First two verses. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, He faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, your best, your heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. In verse 2, be still, my soul, 
your God is, will undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Your hope, your confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious will be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Let's pray and then let's sing that hymn. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the words of Jesus. And it's so easy to worry about tomorrow instead of dealing with today. But give us the daily grace we need to face and to deal with whatever you bring, knowing that you will give us the strength and the help. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.